envision such creative society? So this we are going to know from our special guest, which uh, yeah, we invite to our live conversation. So dear viewers, more information about the project Creative Society, you may find on our website, alatreunites.com. So Tanya, please, could you introduce our guest? Yeah, it's really my pleasure to introduce our guest today because he's a man of many accomplishments. And uh, I'm very happy to introduce David Nair. He is an author, keynote international speaker, big personal excellence coach and mentor, TV host, business strategist, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and founder of Excel Incorporated. Welcome, Mr. David, to our conversation, and uh, we hope to have a great conversation, a fabulous conversation with you today. And I'm sure, I'm sure. Thank you so much, Tanya and Anna. Thank you very much for having me on board. Yeah, thank you. It's a great honor to have you with us today. And uh, the first question uh, concerns something that you <laughs> you usually do. It's about your speaking uh, abilities and uh, how you influence or help people with their life, so to say. So as a speaker and coach and a mentor, you know very well the power of words, right? That they are really influential. So why are words so powerful, actually? Oh, bottom line. The bottom line to have been very powerful is unless you frame it correctly, people can misunderstand what you're saying. Now, most do not understand the power because they think it is directly translated in a dictionary. Let me just use an example, uh, an example of a child, for example. Now, that child, you can have multiple different ways in which you can address a child, a baby, my little darling, or you could say, hey, now, if I went to a symposium and I was addressing at a symposium, can I at the symposium say it's my darling little girl or should I address it as the infant? So when you use a word, the context in what the word is used is vital. And the circumstance in which you expect to express it is even more important. So that's why the words are vital to ensure you use the right way. That's the first thing. The second thing, when you utilize words, your behavior also is impacted, meaning the connotations in which the word has implanted in your head previously, due to your past experiences, due to your past knowledge of that word or that situation, certain things come to your brain. So an individual can react to that in a different way. If it was a very joyful situation, obviously the reaction would be with joy, as opposed to in a very aggressive environment, if that word was used and it was anchored in the child or that individual, over time that becomes a very aggressive tone and that's what's depicted. So the power in which and the way in which you use words is vital to any conversation. And one of the key things I always have in mind is in any, 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 any conversations, conversation and communication is like blood to life. You take blood away from life, what happens to life? Life dies. You take communication away from a relationship, what happens to a relationship? The relationship dies. So if you do not use the right words in the right context, where's your relationship going to go? No to get the message. <laughs> yeah. 
so it's not only words actually, but also the way you introduce them. Yes, nonverbal communication is also very important, right? Vital, vital. It's not just important, it's vital. See, this is where most people miss that philosophy, you know? They think communication is just, okay, what do I do? That's fine, no. That is not communication to me. Communication is, you, you see me using my hands, right? Communication is all of this. Your behavior patterns, the way you express it, the passion in which you use, your, your voice modulation, your tonality, all of that is inclusive. And the way in which you use the word based on that tonality can express a different thing. I told you so, as opposed to I told you so. Can you see the difference? And I did that for a reason. Just to wake up everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Anna, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Really very um, vivid example. And we understand that now words and uh, your nonverbal communication and presentation are also vital. But actually, you have to have a name right uh, to understand why you are saying this and that is the next question actually so what do you think really inspires people for their actions in general what is the purpose of everything that we are doing to your mind a very good question you see i i have a philosophy most people and i'm being very I, I, you might say I'm generalizing here, but it's a fairly accurate generalization in my perspective because I've been working with over the last 2.5 decades, which is 25 years, coaching and mentoring people across the globe. So we're looking at about 250,000 plus people in 20 plus countries. Okay. Now, what I found is most people do not have a purpose in life. They, they follow what I call the process plant. And what do I mean by the process plant? The process plant is you get born, you go through life, you go to pre-kindergarten, you go to kindergarten, you go to primary school, you go to secondary school, you go to tertiary school, you come up with a degree or a second degree, you might come up with a master's, you might come up with a PhD. All of that is the process plant. You come out of the process plant, you go through five, if not six jobs. At the end of it, you retire. So I asked the question, what's the purpose? What's the why? What really gets a person to jump out of bed on a Monday morning? Rather than saying, oh my God, I got to go to work today. Rather than saying that, what actually makes them jump out of bed? I call it their purpose. I call it their why. And I have a philosophy in which I say, if your why is big enough, the facts don't count. Mm -hmm. If your why is big enough, the facts don't count. Which means, even if there is a disastrous situation, you will do your why. Let me illustrate this a little bit more from my own experience. As I said earlier, when, when I finished working, um, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough, and I thank God for that to have numerous coaches in my life, 14 of them to be very precise. And I keep telling people, that's why I'm so stupid that I had to have 14 coaches. But I tell you what, stupid people get paid very well. <laughs> I hope, now you gotta listen to some of the underlying connotations I put in there, right? Now, one of the key things I said out of that is, 
my reason to come up in life was drilled into me by my coach. So when I finished off in financially becoming reasonably independent by my mid-30s, I decided to go to India. Why India? As Anna asked me, where do I originate from? I, my parents originated from India. I'm Indian in blood, but I was born in Malaysia. So I wanted to go back there. And my dad objected to it. He said, you know, we've come out of India in the 40s. Why go back? And I said, I just want to do something for the country. I want to give something back. And what he said to me was, why don't you give them money? And I said, you know, that, that to me is charity. That's just giving things away for nothing. If I give them money, tomorrow they'll still be hungry. But if I went there and taught them how to fish, tomorrow they can fish for themselves. Creative society, think about it. So I made regular trips back, back to India. This is from 1998, was my first trip into India. Regular trips, four to six times a year. Mainly, I was going there to drill onto people and work with organizations to empower and uplift communities and, and individuals, particularly, <clears throat> pardon me, in the middle management area. Now, guess what? Over that time, I was fortunate enough to lock up some very good clients, 50 or 60 of the top 500 companies in India. And I worked with those senior managers. Today, they are across the globe. In fact, some of them are in Russia. Some of them are in South America, North America, Canada, UAE, South Africa, Spain, India, Australia. What they do is very simple. They've enhanced not just the technical skills, but they've enhanced their outlook and their why is strong enough. Out of that, my why had stemmed out. My purpose in life is very simple. To create a mindset shift, a heart set shift, and a soul set shift in one million people, thereby uplifting their lifestyle and that of their next generation. Now, when I have that purpose and I go to India where there are challenges, we all know any country you're going to, there's going to be challenges. And those challenges are of no, no, no interest to other people. So I don't bring them up. But there are issues with water. There would be issues with electricity. There'd be issues with road systems. But if my purpose was not strong enough, I would always use that as an excuse not to move on, to get my message. And many people fall short of that. That's why they do not fulfill their objective in life. What happens? Their purpose is not driving them. What is driving them is the money to earn. I need to get that so I can put food on the table. I have a philosophy where you say, if you turn around and have a strong purpose, and you put all the other intrinsic values in place, you will see money will come. It's a natural outcome of that drive. Does that make sense, Anna and Tanya? Yeah, yeah you know, like as, as for me, it's just really interesting to hear about the purpose. Because, you know, like as in every individual sh like should have a purpose in their life. Yes. So with yes. the same, you could uh, say about a society, right? In as a whole, yes. we, we have to see this purpose of our society because nowadays exactly. we just like lost it. So that's the reason why we have now consumerism in our society. So in yep. such case, could you please like from your professional view, but firstly, we would like to hear first as a human, 
how do you envision creative society? A society in which every person without exception would live comfortable, would live, would feel safely in society. Well, well, an ideal society practically is non-existent. I'm being very open and frank with you. That is the ultimate. And that is hard to get to. It's just like somebody telling me, I want to be 100% perfect. Now, there's no such thing as perfection. But, but, let me just journey through that. There is a thing called excellence. The step before perfection. So each one of us should strive for what I call excellence. And to strive for excellence, if you give birth to a why, you give birth to a reason. Initially, it might be just a very fundamental reason. Okay, I need to earn some money. But as you mix with the right people who have the right values and who are actually driven with a purpose, that purpose gets born into you. It gets assimilated into you through osmosis. So your circle of influence is vital. The people that you hang out with is vital. Now, for that to happen, it doesn't happen automatically. You have to go out and source it. And you as a dancer have to be selected by a dance school to go out and dance. They interviewed you. My question, and I'm throwing this out to everybody out there, the audience, how many of you have interviewed your friend to be a friend? Most would say no. Uh, we should Why? answer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you follow what I'm saying? Most would say, no, I don't interview my friends. They automatically come into my circle. But you know that sometimes those friends can be very toxic. Therefore, if you have a toxic friend in that environment, is that going to empower you up or is that going to disempower you? It depends on the personality, I think. But exactly. Mostly... This is where I'm leading up to the next question for you guys. See, unfortunately, it comes in such a way that people just accept it. That's where this disempowerment in the toxic environment is so disastrous. I mean, I, I worked with some people from South Africa. Okay, I, I didn't realize a year before last when I went to South Africa, the divorce rate in South Africa was 80%. 80%. And I thought to myself, why? Is it because the relationships are bad? No, it's because people don't know how to live in harmony. Why? Probably because the environment in which they came up. They probably came up from a broken family. Nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand me, okay? Even if you come up from a broken family, you can go and source some comfortable environment so you can start emulating the life of a person that has got these purposes. And that's what I'm driving. Don't sit there sucking your thumb to say, I'm poor little me. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is no poor little me. That's why that phrase you have in my philosophy that I put out there, Tanya, if it is to be, it is up to me. Unless you fly with that 10 word, two letter phrase, life is going to be meaningless, guys. So your purpose is driven from within you and it comes from a non-toxic environment. So go search for a non-toxic environment. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you this know, makes like sense. This, yeah, it's make, it makes sense because you know we are created as a society, right? We are created such environments. 
right? So it's right. up to us to make it no difference environment, right? In exactly. which everything will go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's very interesting perspective. And and I also wanted to underline this idea about the purpose, right? That it should come from us. It should be really our mm -hmm. purpose that we really want to accomplish, right? If somebody tells us you should do it, I'm no, it's it's not mine, right? But if I know it's what I really want and uh, I can create all the conditions for it, then it is really up to me because it's really my choice and my exactly. actions to that uh, purpose. Exactly, exactly. Now, I, I give you an example. As I said, working in India, pardon me, I, I, I work with a lot of uh, senior CEOs, top managers, uh, VPs, and then we come to tier three, I call it, which are up and coming leaders in organizations. Now, if I ask, most of them would come out with this comment. I say, how did you get to doing what you're doing? Or my father told me to be an engineer. Or my mother told me to be an engineer. So they, by default, went into that profession. And in a lot of cases, they feel frustrated. Yes, the money might be good, but they feel frustrated. And at least 50% of them move on to another profession. Not because they don't like the profession, it's because they find it is not just not giving them the satisfaction, but it is actually draining them physically and mentally. So when they finish work, they go home, they're physically and mentally drained. You imagine, you just imagine, if you're trying to put a, a, a round peg in a square hole, it's hard to get in. And that's what some of these people are doing. As an example, you know, I was a black sheep of the family. I'm telling you very honestly, I never said this in public before. I was a black sheep of the family because my, both my parents were in the medical profession. They wanted this guy called David Nye to become a doctor. And I didn't want to be a doctor. I couldn't stand cutting people up. I told my father that. I don't want to cut up people. So he said, what are you going to do? I said, I want to go and become a businessman. And he said, there's so much money in it. See, see how, the, how the values are driven. And I said, dad, it's not going to turn me on going and becoming a doctor. But I tell you what, if I sat down and did business and I knew this and that, it's going to turn me on. He said, well, I'm going to disown you. You know, that's, that's a very complete. And, and I'm being very honest. And, and that disowned me. But I tell you what, when you go out and you prove yourself, your parents' love is going to be always there. They're going to be always there. I went out and proved myself. And then he became my best promoter and best friend. Whenever I travel around the world, he would say, oh, my son is over in Hong Kong this weekend. He's over there. And, he's, and I said, dad, what are you doing? He said, I gotta be proud you're doing this. And I said, but I'm not a doctor. He said, that doesn't matter. Do, do, do you see how this whole thing is turned around? Yeah. Does it make yeah. sense, Anna? Yeah. As a dancer, yes, it makes sense because, you know, like when I choose my profession, everyone say, why are you doing, you know, like dancing? It's not like it's not, the, you know, you're not an advocate in the economy. This is a real profession, but this is not. So it's really, you know, like we have to create such condition in our society where every person could really like um, open their great talents, abilities. Mm. So that's, you know, I understood about what you're talking <laughs> And, and, and I'm good it happened to you because you've got an example here because that's the same thing that's happening out there. 
And this is the fundamental thing. When, when you come down later on, we'll talk about the education system. When you come in later, uh, one of the key things is, I hope the audience that are listening, you don't get hurt because I'm a coach and I use coaching language here. And, and the key element you've got to understand is sometimes you have to give enough rope for the child to go find out. Yeah. But be there to guide them. Parents, this is to you. You should only support, right, your child, but it's their choice to be. Yes. So, and uh, for you, if we return to this understanding of a creative society, so in the article it is written that human is a fundamental unit of the creative society. So, but the question is, what makes us human and who is the real human, in your opinion? Well, well very simple, you know, when you think about it, and I, 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 I find it hard to label people I'll be very honest, just like religion, I find it extremely hard to label it. But let me point this out in a way. To me, let me, okay, let's go down scientifically. The human being is made up of mass. And I can, I'm going to be diagnosing this, okay? Oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, all of these things make up the human. Now let's park that aside. When you park that aside, what do you think is a real human? Is the energy within the person. It's the vibrations that are happening within the person. And it is this energy that I feel as a human being that you can then portray. And if you have the right rapport, your connectivity is good. Your relationships are going to be good. If you have the right rapport, if you have the right chemistry, if you have the right, I call it synchronity, it's going to blend in. If you don't, it's not going to blend in. So what you need to do now is very simple. Go fix this. And, and, and you use the term personality. I use the term holistic human being. Why do I use that? Very simple. Because I believe in the BMS model. The BMS model. What does now, it mean, BMS? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, sorry I'm, gonna leave, I'm gonna leave it for you to tell. Can you tell me what is a BMS? I'm going to test you. Body, mind, and your soul. Oh, okay. That, now it's clear. Thank you. <laughs> so when I get the BMS in right, when I get the synchronicity right, I am a different person to a person that is not in sync. Do you follow that? I am not just heavy, or I'm not just heart heavy. I am in all three. So a human being is one who is in synchronity with all of that. A person that's heavily intellectual, but a person who doesn't have the soul, doesn't have spirituality, is when you look at it, it's very void. It's like a robot. Whereas a person with a heart and a soul, and that you can see, and the person talks, you can see the emotions. You can feel the emotions. Sometimes you can even smell the emotions. And that's the power of what a human is. Now, you, if, if, if you ask me if I was going to hire people, I would hire people based on that. Because a person with those elements are much more adaptable to the environment than one who is not. Makes sense? Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. And you know, like... Uh, 
like let's talk about the eight foundation because we have to create again the environment the condition in which the soul of a human the heart of a human will more prevail as you said that this is like the basic right so we yes. have to make such conditions that this everything could add a bring because this is like the basic for a human so this the eight foundation just that i had started to talk about is uh, like also it's helped for us in like to build a creative society in which the, these human values in every person we could develop and these eight foundations were formed as a result of uh, many many interviews like millions of interviews which we view like conducting so now i just would like to ask for technical support to show to sh uh, show a short video so then it will be more understandable how these please, eight please. foundations were created this creative society project was born by the initiative of the people themselves after we carried out many social surveys interviews conferences and well, we talked to many people really all over the world. These eight foundations of the Creative Society is the result of the desire, the demand of the people themselves, because they talk about it. They tell us how they want to live, where, in what world, in what kind of society they want to live, what values are the most important for them. And after analyzing everything, we understand that yes, there are these eight foundations that now we can share with everybody. It is a complex of values of each person in this world. Yeah, mm. so... I think everyone understand how this eight foundation actually performs. So like it's the desire for people and it's actually great. That's how we uh, put, you know, form what we in like a society in which everyone would like to live in. So we know that you read the article with these eight foundations. So could you please tell us uh, maybe any comments? So how do you think is how it's important, you know, to implement all those in eight foundation in our society? Yeah, basically, I, I look at it, as I said to you earlier, the, the value of the individual comes from having this body-mind-soul synchronicity. With that, having the right environment, you now begin to develop what I call your base foundation, your base codes, your value systems, integrity, as an example, trustworthiness as an example. Now, with those, if you are in sync, you will not use something else to contradict yourself. Because let's just be very specific. If I pick up integrity and trust as an example, okay? And your word, because you spoke about the words earlier. If I pick those three up, if I was going to go against it, what is going to happen inside of me is an internal conflict, right? And guess what happens to the internal conflict? It's going to cause stress to me. And if it causes stress to me, when I move at home or when I go to work, it's going to exhibit, because my body is mass, it's going to exhibit through the energy a feeling that I am not right, a feeling that I am in a doldrum. So therefore, I exhibit toxic, negative 
energy force. Now, do you think the environment is going to accept that? In a lot of cases, they do, because that's what the environment is. Now, are you going to have a creative group of people if you cannot nip that at its butt and say, if it is to be, it is up to me, and then make this change in here before I go into that environment and say, I got to fix this. I am not walking into that every time I do that, even now, before I came to this meeting, I'm not walking into that situation with this frame of mind. I do a state change. I go out and do some work. I do something to create a shift in my mind. Now, if each individual took stock of that, and this is a very simple education process to give people to do. And when I get to talking about the education later, I'll expand on it. That aspect of what I call me time is so vital. And it only takes 30 to 40 minutes in the morning to get this fixed. And if you do that regularly over time, it's like you brushing your teeth, having a bath. This becomes second nature. So every human being does that. So all of these values, eight of them that you've got, that we want to hone in on, they become part of this ritual, I call it, that people work with. Not when they come for a meeting, every day. Right. So that is a exposure, <laughs> as you said, exactly. right? Part, part, of, part of you. Second element of the E coming in. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, when and, it's, and, and, it is your sorry, practice. Go on, Tanya. Yeah, I mean it's when you it's part of you already, like your purpose. That it's your purpose. You are moving to that, and these values are also part of you. So it's not you're, something alien. Yeah, it's something yes, that you're, you're living. You're breathing it. It's your DNA. Yeah, exactly. it's got to be your DNA. Yeah. And in this context, actually, we have this um, another video uh, question with the video, let's say so, yeah, when we will also talk about education more and about values. Uh, what, uh, what should uh, education teach? Yeah, but before we discuss it, let's uh, watch a short video. Sure. Right now, I'd like to read a short letter that one school principal sent to every teacher he employed. A very old letter, but very important. Dear teacher, I have survived a concentration camp. My eyes saw things that no man should ever see. I saw how educated engineers were building gas chambers. I saw how qualified doctors poisoned children. I saw how trained nurses killed babies, how graduates of higher educational institutions shoot and burn children and women. That's why I do not trust education. I am asking you, help your pupils become humans. Your efforts should never lead to the creation of scientist monsters, trained psychopaths, educated Eichmanns, reading, writing, and mathematics are only important when they're helping our children become more human. However, in the creative society, dear friends, in the society that we're all dreaming of, education is teaching us unity. It's teaching us to love. It is inspiring and open up our best human qualities. This is education with 
teaches us how to love and respect each other, how to live in peace and friendship together. This is education that opens up our individual potential and helps us to become highly qualified specialists with high moral and human values. So as mm. you, as we all know, and you also mentioned about education and it is so important uh, for future generations, right? But for us too, as, as those who teach future generations, let's say so. Yeah, so, so how important is it to multiply human, human and uh, moral qualities, moral values by means of education in our society? <clears throat> um, very honestly, you see, just having one class of sex education for a child is not gonna convert the child. I'm being very honest. So my philosophy in which I've been driving this, and it's been, by the way, what, what I'm sharing has been taken by a number of companies and implied in their organizations. Um, I call it the three E's to education. It's a model that I developed and it's in my company, IXL Incorporated. By the way, that a lot of what I'm covering is in the book that you see in the back on my stage. And the book is called I Excel Wide for Success. It's a book I wrote. It was launched in January and it's available in the marketplace. Three education models. First thing is your mainstream education, which the gentleman was talking about. And many people go through that. In fact, all of us go through that. Following that, it doesn't provide you with what you really need. Why? Because you lack what I call the EQ component of emotional intelligence. Because I've been experiencing that in a country where they're very high tech, extremely good technically. But when it comes to connecting with people, interacting with people, it comes to communicating, they're pathetic. And so what happens is the companies then bear the cost of retraining them because they like that. And so the second form of education is not EQ. It is the exposure that the individual gets when he or she travels, when he or she sees the world. In the past, it used to be very expensive. People say, I can't afford to travel. Today, you can't use that as an excuse because you can sit in your lounge room and you can type G-O-O-G-L-E and bing, I want to see Turkey. Turkey appears on your screen. So you can't tell me it's expensive. Exposure with travel. My daughter, she's traveled, my God, nonstop. She's used up one passport from what I can gather. And, and the point I'm saying to people is, get that into the system of the child. Our kids started traveling by the time they were seven, eight. Or they traveled with us. I'm talking about traveling independently at the age of seven or eight. When they travel, when they're little kids, in the, in the, in the, in the in baby, um, what do you call it? cradle, we used to take them ab abroad because their grandparents were in Malaysia. But the point is when you travel, something happens in your brain. It wires different things. It's called culture. The words sound different, but they mean different. And so when you understand that, you eat different food, you mix with different people, you become more tolerant. You understand people, therefore your empathy rises up. 
You don't have to go to school for EQ for all of that. It comes from exposure. And once companies used to send their employees abroad, not training them, and they used to do atrocious things. I'll give you one example. There was one company that sent its team of senior execs to a place called Northern Europe. And they didn't realize in some of those Northern European countries, as you pointed out, it's very cold. Some of the toilets are carpeted to keep the warmth. And our friends who come from the East, they don't realize that you don't flush the water down on the, to on the floor because there is a dry toilet and a wet toilet. Some parts of the toilet and the bathroom are dry and wet for a reason. But coming from the East, they didn't know that. To them, the whole toilet was wet, so they would flush water. And guess what happened? If they were there for six months in a, on a lease agreement, at the end of the six months when they removed the carpet, the whole place stank. The carpets began to rot. And the lease owner was telling the, the owner of a company, saying, hey, listen, you got to pay for this renovation cost, and this will cost you 30,000 euros. See, it's from a simple habit change, it's caused a lot of drastic problems. Now, this is what I'm saying, exposure, lack of exposure. I can tell you story after story on, on people lacking exposure. They are CEOs, and they don't know how to handle people. Some of them don't know how to use certain things in dining etiquette. They don't know how to communicate effectively. So companies used to spend a lot of money indoctrinating their staff before they went abroad in some of these countries so they could understand cross-culture, sensitization. Not just go there to do the work. Before you can do work, you've got to build a connect. You've got to build a rapport with the client on the other side. Otherwise, they're not going to listen to you. So now some top companies, I'm not going to mention names, but some top companies hire our services to get there to recondition, rewire these individuals so they can go to those countries and work effectively. Places like Korea, Japan, Northern Europe, Boston, Durban, all of this across the world. And that's the point I'm trying to get across. What we got to do is get exposure. The third form of education is experience. What better role model can you have than somebody who has done the walk the walk before he's doing the talk the talk? We don't want theoretic people teaching. We want people who have done the walk the walk. People who have smelt the gunpowder in the trenches. Today, you've got coaches pounding out everywhere. Some of them have not even been out of their little room, cubicle. All they've done is watch YouTube and they're going out coaching people. Where's the experience for that? Who can they role model? So that's why I say my, my philosophy of education comes in three E's. Your mainstream education is important, but it's only 30% of it. The second mainstream is your exposure. Your third mainstream is your role modeling or your experience of other people. And that's what I mentioned to you earlier. I had to have 14 coaches to get me to where I am. I hope that answers your question because the time frame I'm cutting it short. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And really, you know, like, uh, thank you that you described the education, you know, sphere in which you're like looking for. And it's great, you know, if such education could be available for every person and easily accessible. That's also, you know, mentioned in eight foundation for building creative society. It's also very important because since you said that, you know, like traveling is really like teach us a lot, but also there is, you know, that not all people are have this possibility to travel. So that's yes. why it's like important those conditions in which every person could like have this opportunity. So in exactly. such case, how do you feel? Is it important now to change the format of our society from the consumer-oriented to the creative one? Well, there's nothing wrong with consumerism, but it's got to be limited. Like no, uh, you, you cannot, okay, okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, you, you cannot take the carpet under uh, a person by saying, okay, I don't think we need to have consumerism. The, the, the consumer society will be there. But, but, provided these values that we are planting is cemented well, the person that's going out for the consumer will think twice. The values in relation to your true values as opposed to, I'll give you an example. I've never in my, in my journey ever, 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 ever had the desire to sit on first class in an aeroplane. But I have been upgraded free of cost. Now, the same thing, I've never, 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 ever, 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 ever saw the need to purchase a brand new car. But I have found means in which I could acquire a good secondhand car, which has been a demo car for at least 25% discount on the price of the brand new car with only 5,000 kilometers. So when I talk about consumerism, when I talk about looking at value, it all comes back to the individual's core values that you've built. Why do I say I never want to fly a first class? Why do I say I don't want to buy a car? It's because I think that, that, that funding can be utilized elsewhere, can be put to better use elsewhere. When I work with NGOs, non-government organizations, we call them, I'm not sure if you have heard of them in your part of the world, non-government organizations, I find they are, they are basically looking for basics in life. And, and if organizations and people and communities, we call them CSR projects, community service type of organizations, can channel certain values that they have and they promote into this type of philanthropic work, it's going to be a huge benefit to communities. One example, I was involved with an NGO that, um, that was rehabilitating drug addicts and kids. And, and, and we're not talking about aged people, they were talking about people from the age of 12 to 22. These were, kids who were in the streets selling drugs, kids selling drugs in schools. Again, I won't mention the name of the country. And, and what happened there was, they would be put to jail at that infant age, juvenile jails. And there was an activist lawyer who decided to take him and created his own jail, so to speak, with wardens and all of that, and got to shift that thinking. How? 
by doing certain things, getting them to do certain things. If you remember, we spoke about the value systems at the start and we spoke about the why, bringing in a why. And this particular lawyer heard about my work and he said, you know, can you come and help? I said, I'd love to. So I would go in there, into that country, at least once, if not twice a year. And the first thing I did was very simple. Give them some basic reasons to live, to live properly. And so the consumer thought of, you know, I want a bike. I want to drive here. I want to go and do that. The, the, the values were not crushed. We shifted that to get them to realize what is a true value, honesty, integrity, trustworthiness, get them to understand how they can build a business such that their business can then flourish and get them to start working on that aspect. And through that, guess what happened? These young kids, the third batch was released last year, who were drug addicts. They came out with a little trade paper as auto mechanics, as car painters, as car mechanics, ladies as stenographers, as bakers. And they now, some of them have already got a family and their value systems in the family are different to how they were brought up. They now realize that they are actually bringing a child with not necessarily having all the gadgets in the home, but having one gadget if necessary. But guess what? The other things are important. Habits. Get your daily rituals. Because these mom and dads were taught to condition themselves to have what I call me time. What is me time? Your self-respect time in the morning, at least 45 minutes in the day. Self-respect time at night to do certain rituals so you can rewire your brain to do things such as your breathing exercises, your meditation exercises, your affirmations, your visualization. I'm going to cover a lot of other things if you want to. But those are some of the basic things that they go through. Now, mother and father, who is in the 20s, early 20s, teaching their young-born child, who is at the toddler age, being taught to go to toilet, now at the toddler age, being taught to do affirmations, who at the toddler age is learning to paint, at the toddler age is learning to put visuals together so he or she can dream of the things that he or she wants to have. You see the shift in consumerism to the mindset? Yes, yeah, so just I understood, you know, from what you are saying that really the values is what is important. So then, you know, everything. That's the bottom so, line to shift that's, everything. You know, like the body society, that's like, like you, you are talking about, you know, the particular like situation in like relationship in, with the people. But yeah, just yes. I would like to say about the whole society and would like just to mention, you know, about consumer society. Why it's called like nowadays. It's not only because we like consume some products and, you know, like consume and buying every time. But actually the meaning of the consumer format, it's uh, like our like relationship. Because in this format, how it's like we are creating this system. So we are shifting our responsibility to others. So that's the meaning of the consumer format. It's not, you know, only about the uh, like product stuffing and so on, but the, our, how it's, you know, like our relationship between people, between countries, because, you know, like uh, we could see in our society trillions of money, you know, dollars are spending for a war. Exactly. 
So that's, you that. know, like the absurd of the consumer format. So that's why, you know, it's called like this consumer. So it's not just about the stuffing, but, you know, in yeah, the it's not about system. products. Yeah, I understand. But if you remember, we, we earlier spoke about if it is to be, it is up to me. With that yeah. value, we then try to look at how we can bridge between countries. With that value, how we can, for example, get organizations, get individuals. One of the ladies that came to my interview um, three weeks ago is from an organization, part of the UN policy, and she was actually being spearheaded to go to communities in Africa, go to communities in Asia, go to communities in Fiji, where climatic catastrophe has happened, tsunamis have happened, earthquakes have happened, and how she went there to teach the woman folk to take up leadership and drive the growth or the regrowth of that spoiled nation. Now, that is one form of shift from values, passing leadership for them to take on the aspect of how can he or she take care of work in that community and rebuild it. From what you, from the words, I also have understood that maybe consumerism is not like, um, well, just a characteristic of society, but it's in our mind. So we have this consumer mind, uh, let's say so, yeah. So first of all, as it is, our program is called today, if it is to be, it is up to me. So uh, this consumerism, first of all, is in our head. And after starts that- with us. Yeah, starts yes, starts with us. So then if we have this uh, new format of thinking, yeah, a new mindset, a creative mindset, then automatically it will bring the changes to the world and to our relationships with people as, as a result. Exactly. Now, what, how is that done? That is done through this concept of experience, a third part of the education, which I call role modeling. And for that, you need to spearhead key people to role model it. Who would you role model? That's the example of what I was talking about, the lady. I, I, again, won't mention her name. She comes from a, from a very affluent uh, country, but she gave everything up to go and do this for devastated nations. So if it is to be, it is up to me. Now, she took the role. She saw a need and she saw a value system and she transposed that in there. And now, not only has she done it, but she's developed leaders in those countries who can cope with the next catastrophe that happens. And ironically, she said, I found it easier to work with women and, and, and empower them as leaders than to work with men. And I said, oh, no, <laughs> we're going to have a, a gender inequality here now. But you know, she was very open. She said, the, the, the women folk that we train as leaders seem to be multi-skilled and able to do multiple things in a catastrophe, which they are, because that's how the female brain is wired. I mean, when you know physiologically, that's how the brain of the female is wired. So you throw multiple, this is where the, the good leader will come in. You throw multiple things so he or she can then take that on and start doing that and converting and helping that particular nation that is in capacity. Yeah, so it's like in our responsibility, right? So again, yes. creative society depends on us, on each of us, when we take the responsibility, not to shift and waiting for someone, but really to take the responsibility. It's, you know, it, it is very, very true. And, you know, like, since we understand that we could create such society only together, so that's why all people should know about it. So... 
how do you think how is you know important and also maybe you have some idea how inform all people all around the world sorry could you reframe society could you reframe the question again okay so just to to build creative society right we could do it together so all people should know about such possibility right so it's also up to us to inform all people all around the globe So firstly my question how is it important do you think to inform all people and second one maybe you have some idea how we could do this all of us okay okay the spread the spread of this is very very easily done and you guys are already doing it through social media through this type of discussions that awareness is being created on the flip side now as to I was surprised very honestly when I was first introduced to this I never heard about creative society you see this is the problem <laughs> Okay. I never heard of it. So then when I when I when I talked to Tanya and then she started exposing and she said you know here and she flooded me with information you know links and all of that. I said wow. And I said that's my value systems. That's what I'm doing. But it's not under the banner of creative society. So then I thought to myself okay how come many people don't know about it? Probably because the reach is not out there. It's only going to certain sectors. And when I first thought i thought it was only in the european sector of the world that creative society existed but it's not and you tell me it's across the globe then when i see the video i'm seeing people from south america north america east america west america north asia south asia east asia including a person from north china who's sitting on this television set now <laughs> so i'm surprised you know so unless it's exposed i don't know what else the way you can do but to expose it through social media today is that's the that's the age and if you want to target it's the age group that you need to target are in the school brackets from about 20 21 right up to 40 45 and and obviously the tech person that's sitting back would know marketing of the various social medias are the best way writing of blogs right getting some of us to contribute articles like i'd love to contribute articles in there if you've got a if you've got a, a platform in which this can go in oh we have a platform yeah, okay. there websites are lots of unites there is a, like welcome with the article we will be happy you know to pub i'm just hearing that i i, I didn't know that you you understand what i'm saying i'm just hearing. so so, so please you have an idea you have this inspiring so really know like together we could think about it and together we could uh, everything exactly <laughs> exactly so so the key thing here is you know to to, to probably easily identify okay these are the outcomes we can get from something like this and then for that outcome what are the means in which we do and i firmly believe social media today's age and group is the way to go so these are the social media that's available how can we funnel it in through that and then who are the target audience for the social media and i in my humble opinion i just gave you an age bracket from about 20 to 40 45 Obviously there's a lot of people in the old age back in one too like you know I'm 92 years old by the way. Yeah <laughs> yeah. You can laugh Anna. <laughs> Actually this project is of for the whole humanity. Uh, it it depends who can actively participate and what opportunities people have on their places but even old ladies they have great opportunities actually because yes. they have for a lot of time and can talk about it to any exactly. people around instead of gossiping for example yeah Exactly so, Exactly It's just again if they have this purpose 
uh, inner purpose to spread this information, this uh, their sincere wish to do it, then they will spread this information even without social media. And what can mm. be a better social media than a bench <laughs> next to yeah. the house they're living in? But but you see, we need to get to them. I don't think very honestly. I I don't know how how deep creative society is in Australia. I really don't because there are platforms that you know you could showcase it, like what you just mentioned, old age homes. Go to countries where the age population is there, and you will find a lot of them are lonely. UK, a huge percentage of them are lonely. And, and if you can just expose these values and have some means in which webinar, Anna, another thing, webinars, running webinars, you know, to get these things through that, getting people to talk on different topics, addressing, addressing simple things like depression, addressing things like um, how, can, how can I get out of an abusive relationship? As an example, for the people in, South, in a country that I have visited recently. Another thing that's vital, get them to understand. Also, don't forget, there are some good points you can also promote, like how can I journey through uh, numerous countries by drinking coffee? I was having a discussion with my guest for this weekend in my show, and she opened this up. And she said, you know something? Last year, my son decided to buy me coffee barrels. And there's about half a dozen of them in a, in a kitchen. Coffee beans from different countries. And every morning, they spend 40 minutes making coffee. It's not just the making of the coffee. It's the relationship mother and son has as the beans are taken, as the beans are roasted, they're talking about the country where that coffee came from and all the pros and cons of that country. And then from there, we are taking it down and we are crushing the beans and then we're making the coffee and then we're sitting down and we're talking about the country. So it's a communication. It's a matter of communication. That's a bond of a family relationship. Mm -hmm. Plus, 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 plus. Yeah. You know, that's all just a like coffee. Yeah. If they talked about creative society every morning, <laughs> it would give them a good mood for the whole day. You need to have that. <laughs> you need to have that as the menu on each table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and another means uh, that can be used, and the, uh, you have not mentioned it, is the six uh, handshake theory, which means that uh, uh, we can reach any person around the globe through five or even less social connections, you know, and that's what we use uh, in our interviews to uh, get uh, to know more people, to uh, invite them to have a conversation about the creative society, to give them an idea and to ask them to spread this idea around their acquaintances and family, let's say so. So exactly. if you don't mind, uh, would you like to invite some people to our future interviews? <laughs> I, I will, I will. Uh, straight up, I, I'm still, you know, mulling over a number of names. Uh, let me just talk with them, but I will connect with you, Tanya, or even Anna. I've got Tanya's details, but I will make sure, you know, you, you, get, you get a connector too, because it's vital. We can spread that. But I also think, I think you need to have a good, 
good system in which you can promote this? You know, like a marketing table platform. Is it is no, this been that, like Creative Society? Actually, marketing doesn't help because you know it's go from heart to heart, and you know, like I see it now because. Uh, since you know, like we have this conference and 35 languages simultaneously translated, but now mass media haven't shown it. Why? Because actually it's like go from people and we are like peacefully, we are uniting and changing again peacefully the format of our society. And since you know, like nowadays mass media actually serve not for people, for whole people for, but the minority of our yes. There. So you, that's why you know business. So that's up to us, up to all people. It's not like someone will promote everything. But if you heard about creative society and you think that yes, I would love to live in it. So it's now it's up to me. Up to, it's my responsibility to like tell all my families, all my friends, you know, to talk with everyone whom I met about it because I'm I'm living on our planet Earth and I'm responsible for its destiny. So this is really up to us, since you know that we have such topic of our conversation. So it's really up to everyone. Yeah, I, I fully concur with you. I fully, fully, hundred percent concur with you. But also, I, I'd like to see a lot of what I talk is always in stories, and I'd like to um, add a story from the president of India, so you can see the the analogy that I'm talking about here. It is vital for it to go from heart to heart. No doubt about it, that's the first point of contact. But when you know that the mass is out there, the second point of contact is how you can address the mass using the heart-to-heart -heart touch and feel. This gentleman, his name is Abdul Kalam, president of India, passed away now. When he landed in Tel Aviv for a conference, he took the newspaper in the lounge of the hotel, and he looks at the newspaper. On the front headlines, he sees how the newspaper has printed, a farmer has converted arid ground to a fertile cultivated ground. Good news, not bad news. He then looks in page two, which is always a flip side of it, and he says another similar empowering news. He goes down to page eight, he sees another similar empowering news. Then he asks this question of the press, both in Israel and in India. He tells his comment, he says, when I land in Tel Aviv, I saw that. When I land in Delhi, why do I see on the front page something about so-and-so, smash so-and-so, so-and-so, rape so-and-so, so-and-so doing so-and-so. Why is there such a big contradiction in the newsprint? He can't understand. Again, it comes down to how it's been drip fed. Drip fed, which means how did the media people in Israel understand the way to print press and to empower people and how did the people in the other country did not see it? I'm saying heart to heart is important. But if you want to get to the masses, use the means of heart-to-heart -heart through social media and get the connect going. And you will find, like I, it was only a week ago that uh, and, uh, Tanya shared creative society to me. Prior to that, I never knew. 
There are many people like that. And I, I would love to contribute. As I said, I'll contribute articles. I'll come in for second, third, fourth, fifth interviews. So I can talk to you know more people, get the masses out, because I know I can speak. <laughs> so based on that, let me go ahead and do that. And there will be others who want to do it. So the key point is, when I said marketing, I don't mean you go marketing with splurge. Get a shift in the approach to doing this so we can get a lot more people on the table with the menu on the top of the menu being like coffee to the country. So it's creative society to value systems of people. That's yeah. a marketing ploy. That's good. So, you know, you see how it's important and value every person. So really together we could, you know, achieve our common goal. So this yes. is also important. Yeah, thank you yes. so much. That's, that's why now I understand why Tanya wanted to catch that 10 word phrase. If it is to be, it is up to me. I understand it now, lady. <laughs> yes. Just put my name at the end of it. <laughs> because it, you see, it's, it's true. true. Yeah, we're yes. really going to uh, the creative society too, because we, as Anna said, that the consumer format means shifting responsibility. Yeah? And this present yeah. creative format means uh, taking responsibility and being responsible before the society and for, for himself and for, for the society too. So it's like yes, this. Yes, very true. And yeah. besides, you know, like uh, now I heard like uh, taking responsibility and some somehow, you know, the association came and, oh, it's so hard, you know, like responsibility. <laughs> some it's a really tough, but Great actually, building, you know, yeah. now I feel it's not like you're like taking some uh, very heavy, you know, back now. Exactly. You really are happy to do this because yeah. you're feeling that you're a part of society and you exactly. wake up, you're happy to do some things because, you know, it's for some purpose, for a benefit of us all, for society. So, you right. know, like this actually what uh, like responsibility means. It's really a happiness for all of us, for every person. That exactly. we are not just like like shifting responsibility and do not have Bastard. this experience. Yeah. So yeah. you also said that like when we take the responsibility, we have a, an experience and we are yes. now start to grow as a human. That's also very important. And the key thing, the key thing, Anna, is when you do that from a childhood, you know, like at home, like the mothers I spoke about were doing it, you will see it is not carrying a big baggage. Responsibility is not a big term. It becomes second nature. And as they're built up that way, their brain is wired such way, the fibers and the muscle is wired such way that they can take bigger, bigger responsibilities when they come up to our age. Yeah, it's it, like give a freedom for exactly. Right, right. Exactly. So, you know, like the conversation is so interesting and the time flew very fast, you know, almost one know. hour we have talked. So really, thank you so much for today's conversation. No, you said 30 minutes. Thank you so much today really an important and very enriched conversation so thank you for your time and thank you that you agreed to participate in it and you would like to contribute and understand the responsibility like about the creative society so i just would like to address to our viewers so there's also an opportunity you know to participate and just visit our website a lot reunites there you will find the red button join us and actually you know like as for me this red button is just like for us stop being silent and express 
in what kind of society you would like to live. So that's like, it's for me, what is this red button join us means? So you could find it on our website, Alatra Unites, feeling the form, it's in easier form, and also many languages, since all the volunteer of creative society participating, translated the website, like creating this uh, website again. <laughs> so it's also everything arranged by volunteer, by their sensor actually striving to see our society in a better place and contribute to our society. So David, last words, but I will ask you just a sentence. What do you would like to um, wish to our viewers, to all people all around the world? What is your message? But please, I'm asking short. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair, okay? All right, let me see. I, 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 I'm, again, I, I love models. So I'm gonna ask everybody to follow a very basic principle called ARCO, A-R-C-O, A-R-C-O. Accountable, responsible, committed, take ownership. Each one of you do that for your life first. Do it for you first, then do it for your family. Then do it for the family externally. There's an internal family and an external family. And last but not least, work out to the community. A-R-C-O. Thank you. Short, thank you. <laughs> but really important message. Thank you so much, really. Today, you know, the atmosphere on the interview, very friendly. That's how it actually should be in our society everywhere. That's how we should actually, you know, start our morning in society. Every time, you know, connecting with the people, this really are, make us uh, part of the society, feeling this, that we really have huge family, one family, humanity. Thank you so much for everything. Thank so you. see you, see you next you. time. And thanks yeah. for watching us today. Goodbye to all. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Namaste from India Namaste. and good night from Australia. <laughs> the world is swiftly changing. New time brings new trials, global crises, pandemic, impetuous climate change. But along with that, new opportunities appear. All prophets spoke of the end times, about the fact that the time would come for a global choice of the way to move on. All of us have a great honor of living in this time and making the dream of all prophets a reality. Why is our time unique? What are these prospects? What kind of opportunities do we have today? What will our future be like? What depends on you and us? And why is it so important to unite? Let's get together and answer these questions on March 20th, 2021 at the conference Creative Society. What the prophets dreamt of. We can do a lot, but only together.